Welcome to Radio Diary. We don't just exist, we live and we experience, and so we all have stories to tell. Brought to you by BBS Radio. This time on Radio Diary, I have someone who is far away from home. Someone brave enough to follow his heart, even though it cost him a lot. All the way from Toronto, Canada, I have with me Funso, an avid traveler, philosopher, and a poet. This is an interview conducted via WhatsApp. Stay tuned. Okay, so first of all, thank you very much for being a part of Radio Diary, Funso. And uh, yes, uh, can you begin by telling me and all our listeners about yourself? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the Radio Diary. I must say I'm privileged to uh, be on this show, even though I don't feel very worthy of it, I guess, yeah. So uh, first of all, to introduce myself, I'm Funto. I am a wannabe digital storyteller. And I have recently moved to Toronto for my studies in environmental visual communications. And uh, before leaving, I was working in Bhutan with various organizations such as uh, Tarayana Foundation, Humans of Timpu, I Have Bhutan, Blue Dragon Digital Marketing, and yeah, I also volunteered for Camp Rural Urban Friendship, yep. And also, you know, I've been following you on Instagram for quite a while, and I can't help but notice uh, your obsession with art, especially, you know, the artist Vincent Van Gogh. So what aspect of it attracts you? Yes, I think I am a little obsessed with art. Yeah, you could call me an art nerd, maybe. <laughs> yeah, even though I can't even draw a proper stickman, I'm always there looking at art, judging them, being very picky about it. <laughs> and yeah, I keep my eyes open for creativity. And I read someplace that to be creative is to not be predictable. So yeah, I think I'm drawn towards things that are odd, striking, or that gets people thinking. And yes, I am obsessed with Vincent van Gogh, but I feel it comes from a place of admiration and celebration for him, his work and his life, because yeah, he had a miserable life and death at the same time. And yeah, the only patron that he ever had when he was alive, patron and fans that he ever had were his brother Theo and the doctor that hosted him before he died. So yeah, in contrast, he had a really beautiful soul and healing art style. So yeah. And then I was drawn to him by his starry night at first, and then I researched and I found it, found him. And then, yeah, I felt he understood everyone so much better and than they could ever understand him. He was a really grossly misunderstood person, I think, during his time. And yeah, even after so long, after, so, after his time, he's still relevant, he's still relatable, and I think the world still regrets for losing him the way we did. So yeah, I, I think I'm gonna stop. <laughs> but I'd like to say that Vincent van Gogh remind us to look into people like Artwork, you know, celebrate them and also yourself at times. And lastly, he reminds us to follow our dreams. I think he started his painting journey officially in his late 20s, so I guess everyone you have a chance. <laughs> so yeah, it's never too late to start your dream. Well, I have to agree on that. Vincent van Gogh is truly an amazing artist and he had a very beautiful but very troubled soul. 
And yes, you said that you were an admirer of Vincent van Gogh, but would you also say that you somehow relate to him? Would you say that? Okay, really good question. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna think of it. But then there's nothing much to think about, to be honest. He's celebrated right now because we all are able to relate to him and his pain. Because I read someplace somewhere long ago that yeah, we are all connected through pain and our misery. And yeah, nobody had a more miserable life than him. So I think we can all relate to him. But on a personal note, I think I can relate to his artistic journey, I guess. So because yeah, I had a lot of interest to pursue photography and videography, but then I could never until yeah, in my mid-twenties and I have finally bought a camera on installment. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, it's quite interesting. He was one of the inspiration that kept me going, kept me hoping that one day it'll happen, it'll materialize. So yeah, that's how I am here. And that's that will be on the artistic side, on a personal side, on a emotional side. Like he made me feel things, except pain, I guess. Yeah, except pain, embrace art. So yeah, I guess you could call me a Van Gogh boy. <laughs> yep, I think I relate to him a lot more than I thought. And well, that was a very beautiful answer. And you are truly, I think, a Van Gogh boy. Van Gogh's life, as painful and as miserable as it was, it was also beautiful. His life, his art, and uh, it's amazing to know that his life, his art is still present right now and it's still inspiring a lot of people, including you. So apart from being an admirer of art and a Van Gogh boy, as you said, you are also an avid traveler. So what is it about traveling that hooks you and you know makes you want to go further and further away from home? Yes, I think I love staying away from home, <laughs> but then not in a, I hate being at home kind of way, but then I love being at a new place, not at home all the time kind of way. <laughs> yeah, so while traveling, I am quite addicted to the feeling of getting humbled when you go around to these completely new places, nobody just by yourself, all scared, all alone, and suddenly you're there feeling not so important anymore. And then, yeah, with so many important things around you or just too many things around you that you are just there being a speck of stardust of the Milky Way galaxy, yeah. But then you have this insignificance and attention away from you that should be, that should become a complete idiot. So yeah, you just go explore go everywhere you want to go, anywhere you want to go, do whatever you want to do, but then just don't do drugs, maybe, or just don't go into some weird dark alley at the middle of the night. So yeah, just don't do that. But then yeah, traveling around Bhutan is a different kind of thing. There is a added element of fascination about Bhutan, I think. And uh, I always see myself asking, is there more beauty that our small country can hold anymore? And then each time I get slapped on my face, I see more beautiful places. I see more pretty, pretty places every time, every single time. So it's quite a fascination with me traveling around Bhutan. So, yeah. so it's the feeling and the experiences that you gain while traveling that hooks you and keeps you wanting more, it seems. 
So while doing that, you know, while traveling to all these places and, you know, gaining all these experiences, would you say that you have changed as a person? Would you care to share any valuable lessons that you have learned along the way? Yes, I do like to believe that I changed a lot. I hope for the better with all this traveling. But then I would like to say I completely wouldn't attribute all this change and transformation just solely because of traveling. There are a lot of other things that happened while traveling, the process, the people that I traveled with, the people I traveled to, the people that wanted me to travel, the objectives of the travel, and then uh, all those other things that were incorporated behind the travel, I guess, would count. And then uh, one personal anecdote that I feel really kickstarted my change would be my first camp rural urban friendship, which was at Shemgang, Hanbang. 2019 Camp Rural Urban Friendship, a non-formal education camp that I volunteered since for two more editions. And yeah, it was a really enriching camp. That was my first experience at volunteering. I saw the impact it had on children, both from rural and urban places. And then, yeah, the entire experience felt like my heart was ripped wide open. It made me quite receptive of my heart's impulses, intentions and yearnings. And the camp was such a lovely place that it felt it felt like a safe space to be yourself, to embrace yourself. And yeah, people were ready to take away your sorrow and then multiply your happiness by tenfolds. If it made you happy, they were very happy to make you happy. Yeah, it was quite an experience. So yeah, it was an enlightening experience to put it bluntly. And yeah, now that has led to me becoming a free-spirited, pun-making, poem-writing, hitchhiking, environmental ninja idiot, I guess. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm getting distracted. So yeah, the lesson I would like to share would be self-love, but which is completely different from self-pity, right? <laughs> and then the acceptance of our innocent, pure self. Just be yourself. I know we have a kid in us, all of us, and yeah, be open to other people's experiences and uh, have empathy to walk in their shoe. Yeah, be empathetic of their circumstances and yeah, finally just have fun in this life. You just got this life, yeah. And yeah, I also learned that we need to dance more because the children at camp dance all the time, yeah. And then I got pretty good at dancing, I guess. Thank you very much for sharing that uh, story with us, and so it was very indeed very inspiring and I personally don't travel much but I must say that hearing your stories and you know seeing your posts and stories on social media as well it uh, makes me want to you know travel more and see the beauty this uh, world and especially Bhutan has to provide for us and I feel like it takes a great deal of self-awareness to feel so deeply and to see beauty in things and people you know so as someone who doesn't travel much, I'm really curious, can you name a few of the places that you visited and do you have any favorite ones that you would like to mention uh, apart from Jemgang, Panbang that you just mentioned? Well, I can name you the places that I have not traveled to in Bhutan, like Pemagatsel, Tagana and Kasa. I think I've left them for my return, I guess. <laughs> and then the rest of the world, I haven't been to any other part of the world except for Bhutan. And then yeah, I really like to travel to Tibet and Japan on fine day. Hopefully someone take me to Japan and Tibet. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I saw Tibet was quite expensive. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, regarding the places I visited in Bhutan, I think they are all very special to me. And yeah, 
they'll always be in my heart wherever I go. But then if I had to name a few, it would be the project sites for Humans of Timpu's project called the Stories from the Mountain, which was quite remarkable and memorable in its own ways. We were one of the first full-on youth-led initiative, and then it composed of some of my really close and dear friends, which I feel we got a lot more closer to this project and now we saw each other in a very different light after the project so it was a really memorable project so yeah what we did was basically we went to seven project sites across Bhutan that humans of Tempo selected and then yeah, we collected human interest stories from uh, local government officials the local local people over there any interesting individuals that we came across in those places like there were some really interesting places people that we've bumped into I recall meeting a young 21 22 year old boy who just recently graduated from high school and then he couldn't go to college and then yeah he he was a Tsangwa speaking boy who was placed at Lingji and when we asked him are you missing home and stuff like that he was like yeah I, even though i missed home i had to stay i had to serve the villagers he was i think posted as a community welfare officer or something like that something to do with community amenities he was providing community amenities such as banking and yeah, finances but yeah we also went to the schools in these areas and involved children from grade four five six and then gave them a crash course in civic engagement and then yeah empowered them to contribute to their community in any way possible from a very young age and then i also thought also had a small writing workshop just to make sure they start writing <laughs> and then we also donated a uh, shelf library filled shelf to the school so yeah we made sure they also read <laughs> and yeah there were seven different project sites and to mention a few uh, we trekked to Linji from Sui where we carried the entire books and the bookshelf on horse firstly it was a five or four day trek and then yeah there we met some of the sweetest, cutest, innocent children in the whole wide galaxy. And uh, at the end of the workshop, it was quite tough to leave. And they kept on asking us if we would ever return. And some of them even suggested us to stay an extra day. It felt like that scene from Lunala. It was quite cold, both outside and inside my body, I guess. And yeah. Then we also went to the east towards Merak Sakting and yeah, got exposed to a whole new culture and saw the greatness of our country, small country on the east-west highway, <laughs> the winding roads, yeah, they made us reflect a lot. And then finally our trip towards Shemgong again, <laughs> we went to Shemgong Buli this time, I went to Shemgong Buli this time and yeah, where we had one of the best hosts in our really close friend who was the teacher down there. And yeah, there's a really funny incident that I'd like to share. So yeah, he invited us over to the school for an event as guest. And then weirdly, <laughs> he made me sing. <laughs> so yeah, there I sang in front of some 1,000 kids, very horribly on the ukulele. But then the funny thing was the kids, they came to me and asked for autographs the next day. Yeah, I had literal celebrity status down there for the next few days. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I walked out, I had to take pictures with the kids, which I understood because they never had anybody from outside come down and then just yeah, be themselves, I guess. Yeah. So uh, it was quite 
weird, but then I had to accept it, even though I didn't feel like I deserve it there again. <laughs> so yeah, I just would like to say, yeah, going to all these places, seeing all these faces, I think we need to understand their culture, the people, their thought processes, their upbringing and everything else. And as an outsider, I think we should do our best to just keep them company and uh, tell them about the world and how they can catch up by being themselves, I think, and show them as much as dignity, respect and compassion as possible. If you're listening to this, I definitely recommend you to uh, go out and just connect with some organizations that are working towards uplifting lives in rural places. So just go there, travel, and then you might even find yourself out there. It's amazing to hear you talk about your experiences very fondly. And, you know, with so many places that you've traveled to and with so many rich experiences that you gained while doing so, it's no wonder that you grew so much as a person. And I guess, you know, it's true that travelers have a lot of debt to pay to the places they've visited and the people they met along the way. So like you mentioned in the beginning, you are currently in Toronto, Canada. And uh, let me put it very plainly, how's life there? Is this the furthest that you've been away from home? Yes, this is the furthest I've ever been away from home. And it's <laughs> it's a completely counterintuitive decision. I know everyone's going to Australia. Then, yeah, I had to come here because I wanted to study. And what I wanted to study was offered only here. So I am here. Yeah, but then so far, so good. I think my life in Toronto is so far so good. I think, yeah, I've been adjusting well. And the people around here, around me, are so accommodating, so nice to me. So, yeah. But then, yeah, it does feel empty at times with no friends or family. <laughs> I'm just getting by going around in the city, on the train. That was also my first time going on the train. The first time was quite exhilarating, I guess. And then, yeah, <clears throat> looking for jobs to pay the bills, yeah. <laughs> I just got a job a week ago, I think. I just started working a week ago because I only started studying a week ago, but then, yeah, I've been here for the last two months. Yeah, and then yeah, I have a crippling fear and anxiety of not getting back home in one piece <laughs> and also I have a fear of getting forgotten by people I guess and the time it takes to process the time zone the time difference it's quite tedious sometimes but then yeah, I got used to it <laughs> and yeah it's quite tiring thing of everyone every day I guess carrying everyone in my heart it's quite tiring just kidding I, I love thinking about my friends and family <laughs> but yeah I feel this this independence of mine has evolved on a whole new level after coming here. And I also got to watch Atropos latest movie, The Monk and the Gun, two times. So yeah, I really can't complain. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, I'm sure that the people you have left behind will always remember you. You'll never, never be forgotten. And yes, like you said, the highlight of being in Canada is definitely the movie The Monk and the Gun. And we are eagerly waiting for the review that you said you would write. So while being in Canada, Toronto, you know, it's a very big decision that you've made. And I'm sure that it took a lot for you to, you know, be there and decide to be away from home. So embracing change and following your heart, I guess that's what you're doing. How important do you think it is and uh, what did it cost you? Oh, okay. Tough question. I think it cost me everything. <laughs> Firstly, for me, I think uh, following your heart listening to your inner calling, I feel it's very important, but quite dangerous as well. Sometimes I think we need to take a step back, look at ourselves. 
from an outsider perspective and ask ourselves some really tough questions like, is this decision going to hurt people for a prolonged period? Is this what I want for a few years? And uh, is this what I want to be remembered for? You gotta ask questions like this when you make some big decisions, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, you know, along the lines of instant gratifications, we gotta really maneuver through that and not be in it for the short run, I guess. We need to be aware of that, I think. I need to be aware of that as well. <laughs> and yeah, following your heart means embracing change because our heart changes every now and then. And to be human is to change constantly, I guess. <laughs> and I believe if we have an understanding of our Buddhist concept of impermanence, I think we're already an expert swimmer, swimming in the sea of relentless waves of changes coming on every now and then. And I also read somewhere in Dalai Lama's, one of Dalai Lama's book, that the past is memories and the future is images. So these are all just visions. So I guess we're just changing our visions of ourselves that we are so fixated on. So yeah, I think at face value, if you feel like we are losing a lot, it has a lot of price, weight, but then you just, I think we're just giving up some vision of that thing, I guess. In the long run, if you look at it objectively without being too caught up in it, I think, yeah, change, embrace it, let it go. All these remarkable references that you make are truly philosophical and very spiritual. And oftentimes there's not much difference between a traveler and a philosopher. And I believe they are one and the same. Uh, What is that one philosophy or belief that you live by? Would you say that you're an existentialist or a nihilist? Okay, talking about philosophy and traveling, that's quite an interesting thing. I think uh, you should check out a podcast that's on the philosopher's zone about philosophy and traveling. That's a really interesting take on traveling on a philosophical level. So yeah, it mixes the two. But then on my personal level, I think first nihilism (laughs) i mean as a buddhist on a face value i think we need to be nihilistic i think we are supposed to be nihilistic that life has no meaning that we have to concentrate on nothingness right (laughs) but then since i'm not an expert buddhist nor am i anywhere near a proper practitioner of buddhism (laughs) i guess i fall into the existential crisis which would be a more (laughs) Western Buddhist philosophy, I guess, <laughs> where we make meaning out of meaninglessness. Yeah, where we are making the most out of the moment. And I think I make the most out of the moment by traveling and meeting people. And yeah, and also when you're traveling, you have a lot of time to yourself, unless you're driving. But if you are not driving, I think you have a lot of time to yourself. And that leads to, in my personal life, I think it leads to a lot of <laughs> existential crisis and panic attacks. Yeah. And I cope with it by being a complete idiot. And that's how I give meaning to my life and give symbolisms to every event, people, places, even inanimate objects as a coping mechanism, I guess. <laughs> In conclusion, I guess I am a wannabe nihilist who is apparently an existentialist. <laughs> well, I guess it is important to have existential crisis and you know panic attacks sometimes i guess it makes you more stronger and it makes you more self uh, aware so can you also tell me about your new instagram page or account that you made called funsogram i guess you are making full use of your new camera because i'm seeing a lot of 
you know, amazing content on that page. Is the page your way of, you know, coping up in an entirely new world or is it just a means of expression or maybe it is a bit of both? Right. So this is going to be quite embarrassing. <laughs> uh, the account that I post my content on isn't a new account, to be honest. I had it since the late 2020, I guess, and I started it off as a spam account, <laughs> as the kids would call it. <laughs> but then you know, I felt over time I was oversharing or maybe over attached to it. And also everyone else was having it, so it got kind of boring. <laughs> everyone had it, so yeah, it was lame now. <laughs> so I deactivated it until last year. I started to do a bit of camera work with Tarayana during their uh, project uh, Stories of Rural Transformation where I had to take portrait pictures and I had to make a big, few big videos. And also with my confirmed admission into my current study, I needed a place to share all my practice photos and also some stories from the travel, some amazing places I had the privilege to go to again. <clears throat> so yeah, being familiar with IG, I was thinking of creating a new IG account, Instagram account. So, but then I couldn't think of a catch name. Then I somehow ended up Instagram again. It was quite catchy. I, I felt it was quite catchy. So yeah, I brought it back. Also, yeah, the act of Penning down thoughts of both impulsiveness and inhibition is a coping mechanism for me, me, I think, yeah. I think it was a coping mechanism since I remember, since high school, I guess. I exactly don't know how and when it started, to be honest. Not even high school, I guess. Quite later, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I felt that it was a mean of release. It felt very healing. So yeah, I did it. It came to me quite easily and yeah, I guess it's both a coping mechanism and it's a coping mechanism to express myself, I guess, and my state, both all states, mental, emotional and physical. So yeah, what I thought and what I saw comes together on that thing, I guess, quite poetically, I hope. <laughs> okay, my bad. Now talking about that not so new account, uh, your recent post featured a very beautiful poem called Limbo. And it is so honest and real, and it shows so much about you, the poet. And I feel like a piece of art is supposed to do that, you know. How did you come up with it? How did you come up with the poem? And what thought processes and feelings brought that out from you? Honestly speaking, I didn't really think much about the poem. I just wanted to write for my current state, like I mentioned, my coping mechanism. But then I really wanted a really well thought thought a poem to go with the practice video that I was shooting in my room to balance a really bad videography with a nice poem, I thought. And then, yeah, but initially I started, it started off as a, I am all alone, but I'm really not alone because I got you all in my heart, kind of, by poem. I want to start like that, but then uh, I remember going to the Salvador Dali's exhibition with one of my friends. The exhibition showcased Dali's work regarding Dante Aguilera's La Comedia, which is basically a European takeoff the <laughs> Longkarmongsen with Dante passing through infernos, purgatories and paradise. So yeah, <laughs> there's this painting of limbo right before Dante enters inferno, their hell, I guess. <laughs> Quite a resemblance to our concept of bardo. So yeah, the word limbo had a really nice ring to it. And I remembered, I instantly mumbled neither here nor there when someone said limbo and I was like okay 
that's an inspiration. <laughs> I wrote the whole poem about human, us human beings being in between always, and how we always shun away from it instead of accepting it and embracing it. I guess this poem is a message to not look at the world and life with a dualistic view because things can never be completely black nor white. I think we'll always have a bit of both and then the beauty of life is just to find that balance between the two. That kind of solves a lot of problems in the world. There is a world problem, especially with extremism, yeah, toxic everything. <laughs> I don't want to name anything, so toxic stuff. I think a lot of toxic stuff can be solved if we are a bit more peaced, a bit more calm, stable, I think. And I hope this poem achieves that. We are in limbo. We should be in limbo. Our entire life is in limbo, to be honest. <laughs> Your poem definitely achieves that, and it gives us a very beautiful message to accept things as they are, and I guess it is okay to be in limbo, you know. And very powerful poem, like I said, and it has definitely established you as a poet as well, other than being a traveler, a philosopher, and a true admirer of art. So coming on to the last question that I have for you, uh, what are the things that you are grateful for in life and what do you expect from life now that you are on this very scary but all the more exciting new journey in Toronto, Canada? Okay, first of all, you're being very generous with your compliments, so <laughs> it's quite flattering and humbling at the same time. And they're talking about grateful. I'm grateful about a lot of things in my life, to be honest. Firstly, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be heard and seen, which I think I clearly am not worthy of. And then secondly, I am grateful to all the people that are in my life, that I have met, shared a moment with, lived with, has let me be me, and they were being themselves the entire time. And yeah, these people, they know themselves. And yeah, I am well aware that I am literally standing on the shoulder of these people that have shown me nothing but just compassion, openness, patience guided me all the time. And I know I've learned a lot from them and I feel I have this theory that I was a tree in my previous life. <laughs> and then, yeah, because I get to bring so many people together, different profiles, different personalities and in return, I get nothing but just love and compassion, love and care. Yeah, so thank you, everyone. <laughs> and regarding my future plans in Toronto, firstly, I think it, it is to keep the child in me alive. And the next thing would be to learn and to network with people, experts and passionate people at school, which is apparently in a museum. I can't brag enough about that. <laughs> and uh, hopefully I can become a better visual storyteller and a environmentalist, hopefully, and a person at the end. And uh, if given the chance, I'd like to try to replicate the things we did in Bhutan over here. And yeah, slowly build a world that's more kinder and fun. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Just a leg. And I thank you, Funso, for sharing your story, your feelings on Radio Diary, despite being in a place with a completely different time zone. And thank you for inspiring people, including me. I hope you continue to travel, experience and live the way you are doing right now. Thank you once again. We end our session here. I hope that all the beautiful stories that were shared 
and the wonderful words that were spoken by Funso inspired you to follow your heart, to let go while accepting every new experience that come your way. On that note, let's listen to a beautiful poem that was written by Funso. This poem is called Limbo. We were told that when we lose something, we gain something instead. That a door opens when one closes. But we weren't told about the place between loss and gain. A spot wedged between doors, closing and opening. A destination when one has left without leaving and fared without fearing. We find ourselves neither here nor there. In the middle of what was and what will be. Wishing for a life in two. Anxiously excited, terrified with possibilities, shaken and grounded, grotesque but beautiful. Embrace this place where both the price and the price is changed. I guess this is simple.